I want to start with a question this morning for you to think about. And I want to invite you to really think about it for just a minute. Who's responsible for you being here? Not necessarily who drove you to church this morning. But when you think about your journey of faith, what face or faces come to mind? I'm willing to bet that for many of us here today, there, there is a person or, or people that, that shared their faith with us in some way that played a part in us being here today. And so I want to invite us just as we begin, before we begin this message this morning, just to take a minute and, and give thanks to God for those people. And ask God to show you people that, that you might be one of those people for. Can we just take just a minute and do that? Holy, gracious, and loving God, we thank you uh, for those people in our lives that have planted seeds, that have watered them, and watched as you have made them grow so that we might be here today. And God, we thank you for the people in our lives that you give us opportunities to plant seeds and, and water and, and watch as you work in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and minds today with that in mind to, to receive the message that you have for us today. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts uh, be pleasing to you today. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So uh, last week we, we started this new series around the topic of, of sharing our faith. And, and we talked about how this is so important for us uh, as an expression of, of who we are, of, of our uh, statement of vision for us as a church. Uh, sharing our faith is part of sharing life together in Christ. And so for us to live into this vision that we believe God has for us, this is something that we need to think about and, and incorporate into not only our individual lives, but in the life of our, our church. And so the premise behind this whole conversation is that God has uniquely called and, and created and commissioned you to share your faith with others in a way that's authentically you. And we talked about uh, kind of the foundation for this. Last year we did a series where we talked about uh, uh, Pastor Rick Warren uses this uh, acrostic for how we're shaped to serve. He uses the acrostic shape, S-H-A-P-E, uh, which stands for spiritual gifts and heart and abilities, personality and experience. There, there's a, a verse that's, that's often used when talking about being shaped to serve that, that, uh, that we're going to look at. And we, we were kind of using that as our anchor verse, 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, the same God is at work. And the point is that, that while there are different 
many different expressions of faith and many different ways for us to share that faith. The same God is the source of our faith and the source of our sharing. So the title of this series is Shaped to Share. And we're going to be talking about how God has uniquely created, called, and commissioned you not only to serve, but to share. And, and then we don't have to all do it in the same way because God has made us unique. And so we can do that in ways that, that reflect who God has uniquely created and called and commissioned us to be. You can be you and share your faith with others. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. And I shared last week that there's this book uh, that I've been reading called uh, Contagious Faith. Uh, by, by Mark Middleberg. And, and in it, he lays out what he calls these five contagious faith styles. And all of these styles kind of work together and they complement one another, just like our gifts within the body of Christ. He says God's uniquely equipped the body of Christ with, with these unique contagious faith styles to help us share the good news of God's grace with those around us. He says each one of us will probably connect with with one of them, maybe two of them, uh, as a way that we can most authentically share our faith. So uh, I shared them last week with you. I want to share them with you again. It's a list of five different, what he calls, contagious faith styles. There's friendship building, selfless serving, story sharing, reason giving, and truth telling. And I meant to do this last week, but I want to do it today. I want to read them one more time. And I want you to just think about the one that maybe resonates with you the most. And if you'd be willing to do it, if you feel comfortable, I'd love for you to just raise your hand so I can just see, you can see uh, what this looks like. So I want to read it one more time. And if, and if you think this resonates with you the most, just, just raise your hand up. I'm not going to make you come forward or do anything like that. I just want to see. Uh, I'm, I'm the only one that's looking at you, okay? So uh, let me see friendship building. Which one? How many of you that resonates with you? Friendship building. Yeah, thanks. Selfless serving. Okay, yeah. Storytelling. All right. Reason giving. Awesome. Truth telling. All right. Thank you all for doing that. Um. I tell you, one of the neat things about that, the, the point of it is that we're all different, right? Um, not everybody raised their hand for one, but every one of the five were represented in this gathering of people. But, but one of the unique blessings that I didn't even think about until I just did this, but one of the, one of the beautiful things about what I was able to just see is uh, after uh, sharing life together with, with this fellowship family for over three years now, when I saw some of you raise your hands, I, I've seen you. I've seen God work in you in that way. I've seen you selflessly serving. I've seen you building friendships. I've seen you truth-telling and reason-giving. And it's such a beautiful picture of, of this idea of sharing life together. So thanks for blessing me with that this morning. So the whole point of this is, we're all different. We're all unique. And yet God uses us all to share his message of grace with those around us. And then the other side of this too is uh, that all of these, all five of these are actually a part of, of our life of faith as well. So we're, we're doing all these things, but there's usually one or two that maybe resonate with, with us more than others. So we're going to go through 
each one of these five over the next five weeks and see how they fit into this idea of being shaped to share. And today is the first week, so we're going to start with the first one, and that's friendship building. And I think this one's really important, and I like that it's the first one in the book, and I think it's great that it's the first one we're going to start with because, as you know, relationship building is key for anything that has to do uh, with our faith, uh, but especially for sharing our faith. And one of the reasons why I think this is true is because we live in a culture that is increasingly suspicious of anything religious or institutional, right? Will we agree on that? Um, People are probably, because of that, they're less likely to darken the door of a church now probably than any other time in the history of our country and our world. And so never before has this phrase been more true than it is now. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think this is especially important when we talk about sharing our faith because sometimes I think we as a church have, have gotten a reputation for uh, evangelism or sharing our faith as being something very transactional uh, when in fact it's something that's very relational. And so I think we need to rediscover this idea of, of relationships, this, because that's at the heart of friendship building. We need to rediscover this idea of relationship building and, and sharing life together in Christ, not only as the foundation of our faith, but as the foundation of our sharing. See, one of the things I hope that you'll get from this series is that one of the mo most unique things about us sharing our faith in Christ with others is that it's all about relationships. Jesus says that, right? It all boils down to love God, love your neighbor. And, and the thing about sharing our faith that sometimes we miss when we think of it only in these terms of, of transaction is that the, the interactions and the relationships that we build with others when we share our faith, it helps us grow not only in our relationships with others, but it helps us grow in our relationship with God. See, sharing our faith with others, uh, when we share our faith with others and in various different ways, we learn more about Jesus in the process. Uh, practicing these different ways of sharing our faith helps us learn and grow in our understanding not only of who Jesus is, but it helps us learn and grow in our understanding of who we are and who God has created us to be. And, and in the process, we are learning and growing how to be more like Jesus, which is what the journey of faith is all about. So it's, it's not just uh, sharing our faith is not just something that's reserved over here for this small group of Christians that have that gift or, or that are super Christians or that are more advanced than, than the rest of us. It's, it's, it's central to who we are and it's part of our faith journey and our growth in faith. And, and when we lean into that, when we'll trust God enough to step out in faith and do that, we, we connect with Christ in a way that maybe we can't any other way. We discover when we do these things that Jesus was an incredible friendship builder. That Jesus was a, an amazingly selfless server. That Jesus was a master story sharer. That Jesus was an unparalleled reason giver. That Jesus was the ultimate truth teller. He was all these things and more. And when we're learning and leaning into these things, we, we develop a fellowship and a friendship with Jesus in ways that we couldn't otherwise do that. So... I want to encourage you with that as we talk about sharing our faith. I know sometimes when, maybe when you heard that, you were like, oh gosh, here we go. Uh, so thanks for coming back this week after you heard we were going to be talking about this for a few weeks. <laughs> but this is not just about us being a blessing to others. It's about us being blessed in the process. And I hope you'll see that. And I, and I hope you'll see that in each one of these contagious faith 
styles. That when we learn and grow in each one of these, we're growing closer to the one that the Bible calls the author and perfecter of our faith, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to learn about and we're going to grow in this understanding of, of how friendship building was a key component to Jesus's life and ministry and how friendship building is a central part to what our lives and our ministry is as well. Uh, so I'm excited about this. I want us to dig into it today. Uh, and just to kind of give you a little bit of context into this and into our passage today, uh, one of the nicknames that Jesus was given uh, during his life in ministry, and, and, it, and it wasn't meant to be a compliment, but Jesus wore it as a badge of honor. Uh, Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Uh, Matthew 7, 34, uh, it says Jesus is a friend of of sinners, and, and, and one of the most infamous events that led to his repu this kind of reputation among the religious happened a few chapters before that in Luke chapter 5. I think this is probably one of the best examples, not only of Jesus' contagious faith style of, of friendship building, uh, but also um, one of the best examples of how uh, we as Jesus' disciples can practice this style of friendship building as a part of sharing our faith. So I want you to hear this today. This is God's word for us, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Uh, the heading in my Bible says, Jesus calls Levi and eats with sinners. So hear this, God's word for us today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large group of tax collectors, a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Just to give you a little bit more context before we dive in, Levi is also known as Matthew, and we know Matthew as one of the gospel writers, but before he was a gospel writer, he was a disciple of Jesus, and before he was a disciple of Jesus, he was a tax collector. And that's really significant because, see, tax collectors were often... Uh, they were Jews who worked for the Romans, and the Romans and the Jews didn't have a, a very good relationship at all because the Romans, they were, the Jews were under the oppression and exploitation of, of the Roman Empire. And so basically tax collectors got rich by working for the Romans in their oppression and exploitation of, of the Jews. They got rich by brokering these unfair collections uh, from their own people. And so the Romans saw them as as kind of puppets, and the Jews saw them as traitors. So, so tax collectors were about as low as you could go uh, in, the, uh, in the court of public opinion on both sides of the equation. So you need to know that to know this. this in our story today, this particular tax collector, Levi or, or Matthew, he comes to know Jesus. Jesus comes to him, and I invite him to follow him, and, and he says yes and becomes his disciple. And the first thing that Matthew does is he, he, he throws what the, what the book calls a, a party with a purpose. He invites all his friends from work to come over 
and, and meet Jesus. And they get introduced to Jesus. And Jesus comes to them and sits at a table and eats with them and, and enjoys fellowship together. And the irony of this story and the irony of the whole New Testament really is that Jesus doing this really upsets the religious people of Jesus' day. I always just think that's so crazy. Um, Instead of them being excited that these sinners are being introduced to the Savior, these religious leaders complain. And, and they do it in the, in the good uh, Christian way, right? If they have a problem with Jesus, they go and talk to somebody else. They go and talk to his disciples, right? <laughs> they say, why is, Jesus, why is Jesus hanging out with those sinners and tax collectors? And, and, and this is not in the, in the text, but in my mind, I just imagine this big party going on and all this music playing and and um the the religious leaders whispering to jesus's disciples and then right as they do that the music stops right the record player scratches and it's silence and jesus looks at them and basically says look just like sick people need doctors sinners need a savior and so i have come to seek and save the lost such a beautiful picture of why Jesus came, the purpose for Jesus' life and death and resurrection and the purpose for our lives as well. This story reveals both the heart of God and the heart of this newly converted sinner, this Christ follower, this tax collector. You know, maybe more than most, I mean, it's all of us, but maybe more than most, these tax collectors were struggling to make sense of how their lives might have purpose and meaning. And Jesus and Matthew use this friendship building to bring people to a place where they could discover their purpose. They could discover that their lives have purpose and meaning, that God wants to work in them and through them, where they might hear the good news that we talked about last week. You remember that? That we were meant to live for so much more and that Christ had come to to give us that kind of life, that life abundant, that life eternal, that life together in Christ. I think this passage gives us such a beautiful picture of, of the power of friendship building. The book describes it like this. He says, Matthew uses hospitality uh, to build on these common interests of food and fellowship, undoubtedly with the hope of starting these spiritual conversations to have a contagious effect on these former colleagues. And then this last part is the most important part on these former colleagues whom he cared so much about. Guys, that's so important when we think about sharing our faith. It has to come from a place of caring about people. It has to come from a place that's not transactional, but, but deeply relational whom he cared so much about. That, that reminds me of another passage, a passage I hope you're familiar with if you've been around the last few years. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. See, the good news is that just as Jesus shared his life with those he came to save, he calls us to share our lives with those that he's placed in our lives. That's what sharing life together in Christ is all about. That's, that's who we are and that's who God is calling us to be. Amen? You know, sometimes preachers have a hard time coming up with, with illustrations 
these practical ways to drive home whatever point that they're trying to make. And, and uh, you know, there are some weeks I struggle more than others to think of stories uh, that I could share with you, uh, either from my life or from the life of our church or from the world that illustrate the ideas that are found in our scripture lesson and, and connect them to everyday life. But, but today I get to share with you that this week, uh, while I was struggling with that, uh, God placed this great illustration, this great story right in my lap when one of our congregation members came into my office uh, to tell me about a trip that they'd just gotten back from with some of the other couples from our church. Um, and I think I, hopefully I'll tell this story right. And those of y'all that were there, you can tell me if I don't tell it right. But um, I'm not going to name any names today, but I just, uh, there were these uh, group of couples that that rented a bed and breakfast in East Tennessee last week. And, and as I understand it, it's kind of one of those places that where you kind of have your own rooms and you have some common space together. But then there are these uh, other common areas where you can uh, meet with other people that are there uh, staying at the same place. And, uh, and from what I hear, they had the best time while they were there playing cards, board games, enjoying snacks together. I mean, it sounded like a party. And, uh, and one night, uh, a couple from one of the other rooms comes over to them while they're having their fellowship and said, y'all just look like you're having the, the most fun together. We just thought we, we just had to come over and meet you. And so uh, they struck up a conversation with some of our fellowship folks, and they were soon invited into the fellowship themselves. And uh, then the conversations moved quickly, almost supernatural, it sounded like. From, from superficial chit-chat to, to deeper life conversations and, and, and deeper issues. Uh, in, in hardly any time at all, they were sharing pictures of family members and, and one per, then one person began to share about a recent cancer diagnosis. Another couple shared about their journey in the same way. And to make a long story short, by the end of the weekend, these families that are a part of our fellowship family were, were laying hands on and praying for these new friends and, and exchanging information about uh, for continued contact with them. In a nutshell, what it sounded like to me is what started as a party ended up as a prayer meeting, uh, a party with a purpose. And these fellow travelers became family members in Christ. And this person that was sharing the story with me said they were driving home and they listened to our worship service last week and that just confirmed how God was moving, how the Holy Spirit had orchestrated this opportunity for faith sharing. And it all started with this genuine, authentic friendship building. Those couples didn't go into that Weekend, I don't think, with an agenda of uh, evangelizing anyone else, but it just sort of became this sharing life together and inviting people into that. I think that's at the heart of, of what we're talking about today, this idea of, of friendship building as a way of faith sharing. And so, so what I want to leave you with today is, is simply uh, how we can explore this idea of, of this particular contagious faith, contagious faith style in our own lives and in our own relationships. And I just wanna leave you with a couple of suggestions. The book gives some pretty practical steps of what the author calls uh, key skills for every Christian. And as I read these, I, I wanna, again, give you that disclaimer and that warning that all of this happens uh, within the context of genuine faith sharing, a genuine uh, desire to be in relationships with one another. 
it, it, it may sound a little transactional, but I want you to hear it in ways that are, are relational. So the book says, number one, we need to, we need to start and, and strengthen relationships. Uh, this could be deepening our current relationships. It could be renewing some of our lapsed relationships. It could maybe even be uh, starting some new friendships. And, and when we do that, when we lean into these relationships, the, the next thing that happens is we have opportunities, number two, to initiate spiritual conversations. Uh, it might be bringing everyday topics into deeper topics, asking curious questions about life to other people, or turning invitations into conversations. Again, this is not something that, that we have to do, but this is something that we simply uh, put ourselves in a place that we allow God to work. And then that brings me to the third one. It says, inviting friends into life-changing environments. Uh, inviting people into places uh, where they might get to hear the good news of God's grace. Uh, invitations according to interests or providing uh, materials, digital or otherwise, right? Not necessarily posting something on Facebook, but, but maybe, hey, I read this article and I want to share it with you. Or bringing a friend to something that you're already going to, like church. Maybe there's a friend or a coworker, a family member that you've been thinking about or, or praying for an opportunity to take that conversation to a different level. Maybe there's someone in your neighborhood or someone that you're in a book club with that you could invite to coffee and have some everyday conversations and see where they go. Maybe there's a parent whose kids play soccer or go to school with your kids and you could invite them to a class or a small group or to start a Bible study. Now, I'm not talking about reaching out to an old girlfriend on Facebook or, or giving your number to the UPS guy in the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about asking God to show you who those people that God may have already placed in your life that you could share your life with in such a way that it might be an opportunity for you to share your faith in a way that's authentically who God has created and called and commissioned you to be. I mean, the, the bottom line is that we just need to be intentional about our relationships uh, as a foundation for our faith and as a, a foundation for us sharing life together. And the chapter in the book ends with, with this same thing that I've said, and I, I want to say again because I don't think it, it can be overstated when we're talking about this. The whole point is to be genuine, to be who God has created you to be. No agendas, no gimmicks, no bait and switch, just a genuine desire to share your life in Christ with someone else. We talked about this last week. You, you can't share what you don't have. And so if our faith isn't genuine, our faith sharing isn't going to be genuine. But, but if our faith is genuine, then it's simply a part of who we are and it's going to naturally spill over into our friendships. We're not trying to sell anything to anyone. We're simply living our lives and inviting people into our lives to experience this life-changing thing that's happened and that continues to happen in our lives. Does that make sense? Like I said earlier, if our only motivation to be friends with someone is to get them to do something or to believe what we want them to believe, you know people can smell that a mile away and they're going to turn and run a mile in the other direction. You know, you might share your faith with someone and, and they don't want to have anything to do with that. Now, does that mean you need to stop being friends with them? Absolutely not. In fact, 
Sometimes your continued friendship, even in your influence in their lives after their apparent rejection of, of faith might just end up being the thing that brings them to faith. Our, our job is to build relationships and, and we trust God with the outcome. That's why I love this quote from the book. This is the last thing. Uh, I think it says it best. It says, you want to be a real friend. And you want to introduce them to the greatest friend that they could ever know. That's why this is so important, friends. When we invite people into our lives and share life together in Christ with others, it's an expression of, of our friendship and our faith with God. That's what Christ did and that's what Christ does for us. Our lives have been changed by this life-changing invitation to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And if we believe that that same life-giving, life-changing invitation could change the lives of those that we call friends, then who wouldn't want to share that with them? When Jesus and at the end of his earthly ministry, he turns to his disciples and he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Not Fred. Friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Friends, you need to know today. Some of you, this is all you need to know and all you need to hear today. The God of the universe has called you friend. Think about that for just a minute. The King of kings and the Lord of lords has revealed himself to you and desires a relationship with you. If that doesn't give you peace about your past, the strength and comfort in the present, hope for the future, I don't know what will. And if that doesn't motivate you to call a friend or reach out to a coworker or, or Facebook message a family member or knock on the door of a neighbor, I don't know what will either. That Jesus calls you friend and that you get to share that with the people in your life that you call friend. What an amazing gift that will help not only those around you grow in their relationship with God, but it will allow you to grow in your relationship with God. So, so my, my challenge for you today is to simply be, be encouraged and be challenged. Be strong and courageous. Be that person for someone else. And finally, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this opportunity today to, to learn and grow in our understanding of you and, and who you've called and created and commissioned us to be. God, thank you for your word and for your spirit. We thank you for filling us up and we pray now, Lord, that you would help us to respond so that you might send us out to share that good news with those around us. God, we love you and we thank you for your grace that meets us right where we are but never leaves us there that invites us to follow you and to experience new life through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Friends, we're going to sing one more song before the service is over. Uh, the altars are going to be open. You're invited to come and pray if you'd like to. If you want somebody to pray with you, I would love to do that. If you just want to pray by yourself or you want to bring somebody up to pray with you, 
You can do that. If you just want to stay in your seat, you can do that as well. Uh, just with these last few minutes, let's, uh, let's just allow God to speak to us and respond in whatever way that God's calling. Let's stand as we sing.